Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Hey, 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 church. Are you guys enjoying You Takeover Sunday? Man. Honestly, one of my favorite days of the year. I love seeing our students come up here and lead. It is phenomenal. There's a little phrase that you've heard. These are not just leaders of tomorrow. These are leaders of today. And that is absolutely true. This isn't just something that happens on this Sunday. These students, so many of our students are serving all over the place. On any given Sunday, you can see them in the nursery. You can find them in the coffee shop. They'll be in production. They'll be on stage. Some of these are singers that you have seen all year long. And that is because of the heart of this generation, an amazing generation that absolutely loves truth, that that loves being real. And when their hearts get dialed in with God, man, they come alive with his spirit as they have led us this morning. So big shout out to this up and coming generation. The church is in good hands. We're excited about what God is doing through them. Absolutely. Now, something else that we love around here, obviously, is being in healthy relationship, whether that's small group or whether that's in a discipleship class or, or some uh, men's women's that we do on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So, so many ways to be in healthy relationship. Well, there's one that, that is just this amazing growing value in our church, and that's one-on-one discipleship. Having someone pour into you like I have people pour into me, and then being able to turn around and to pour into other people, which is a, a piece that's a part of our church. We want everyone to be in that one-to-one relationship some way, somehow. In fact, you meet Pastor Josh Coffey. He's out on the plaza. He can tell you a little bit about that. But that is where a lot of these relationships come from that you're seeing on this stage now. In fact, I want to invite up Vince, uh, who I'm currently in a a mentoring style relationship with. And uh, Vince and I get to hang out. We talk about life. We talk about ministry. God's put a call on his heart uh, to be a pastor. And so we dive through everything that that means, spending time together and hanging out. So I love our relationship. Love what God is doing in this guy uh, and so appreciative. But I want to turn it over to you, brother, as you bring the word this morning. Is this thing on? How are you doing today, church? So, um, you know, I always love to dig in. This is the way I preach. I love to dig into how this sermon came to be. Um, But firstly, I want to just, you know, like I said, give a shout out to the worship team and for the youth. Um, It's just been one heck of a journey. I've only done it for about a year and a half. And that was like some of the best year of my half in half of my life. In fact, Shaver Lake, whoa, we got this big old mansion. I was like, did I pass away and go to heaven? Dang. (laughs) But... I've loved going through this. I, I appreciate Jim for taking me under his wing as his mentor or mentoree and um, just really showing me what it means to like minister and, you know, the heart of a pastor and the heart of someone who wants to serve God. And, you know, he definitely has that. So once again, thank you, Jim. Um, so just to kind of introduce um, what I do here, I am actually on the student impact team. Um, I am just someone that serves in the junior high, basically their needs. And I also minister to the junior hires dang. And (laughs) they're an interesting crowd, but they are extremely, (laughs) extremely faithful to learn. Um, Something I've noticed in them, um, a lot of TV would be like, oh, these are seventh graders? Whoa, uh, they're crazy. But they're they're very devoted to God. And I've loved seeing them grow and I've loved, um, you know, getting to know them and, you know, even them commenting, like questioning, having questions about my, my sermons and all that, right? And it's always great to just, you know, teach. 
I love teaching. Teaching is what I'm called to do. It's not my purpose. He's my purpose. But in this, I have to talk about where it started. And um, when I was, I don't even know how old I was. It was a while ago. And I was, um, it was my grandpa's, I don't really know whether it was a celebration of life or his funeral. Anyway, we were all presented to say something. You know, I, I love the guy. I wanted to like, you know, give a, and basically this is a little quote, basically. Like, I remember him. He was such a blessing. And if you look, be, it's behind me, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was, I took the mic. I don't even remember every, I don't remember anything I said, but I was told this, that I spoke for a long time, a long, and I don't know whether the pastor is like, (laughs) he's just like, this kid, come on, give me the mic back. I'm the pastor here, you know? Um, but um, eventually, I, I remember my dad pulling me like, hey, hey, we got to give other people a turn. I was like, no, let me keep speaking. <laughs> but after that, I was told, I don't know whether it was my uncle's or my own father, but he told me that people would come up and say, this kid's going to be a minister. This is before I was even like called into it, right? But in this, I was feeling, I was in a dead area in life, and um, I called Jim up. I'm like, hey, can we meet? I'm, I'm right now. I just feel like God hasn't really been pouring into that part of my life, his ministering, teaching, right? I come into his office. He's like, uh, you want to preach at big church on June 4th? I'm like, God, you are good. <laughs> anyway, long story short, um, I asked God, I'm like, okay, Lord, this sermon's yours. This is not my own words. So let my words be like chaff in the wind and just let me like, just pour into me, right? And he did at 1130 at night on a school night. So um, I want to start, actually, there's a bunch of different scriptures we're going to go through, but I want to start in the book of Exodus. So if we could pull up the first verse, right? Exodus 13, 21 through 22. And the Lord went before them by day and a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart free for the people. I underlined 22, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people because here's the truth. I am an 18-year-old guy. I have had <laughs> like the wilderness, right? And this is not just a physical place. It's a spiritual place. What defines the wilderness isn't so much the, the atmosphere. Like you can be in the wilderness. It could be this beautiful rainforest for all we know, you know? It's the fact that there's no direction, there's no roads guiding you to the nearest city. There's no signs that say, hey, you're going this way. And many people who struggle with the wilderness have, feel like they have that lack of purpose or just that they have a lack of direction. Like, where am I going, God? And the wilderness can feel like a punishment from God. Like, Lord, am I doing this wrong? Am I, am I being unfaithful? And God is always there to say, well, remember what I did with Israel. The minute they entered in the wilderness, I became a pillar of cloud to guide them along the way. He went before them the minute they entered. The minute they left Egypt's border, Moses is, you know, leading them. Moses is following God. And Israel's like, yeah, we're going to the promised land. Let's go. This could be this amazing journey. You all know what happened after that. And the pillar of cloud went before them. And it was this massive thing. And the, the define the word pillar, right? We all think of it like a tornado. But the word pillar actually literally means to support. God was supporting them in that form, right? So jumping way later... You know, Israel's getting hungry, getting thirsty. And instead of going directly to God in prayer, they're just kind of like, Moses, uh, I think, uh, I think we're hungry. We're, we're thirsty. We need water. We need food. And they start complaining and they're just whining. I'm like, ah. Oh. And then I'm like, wow, these people, man, they, they're just, they're stubborn. And I realize, uh, I've done that before. So, but. 
but God still provides for them in their needs. Even though they're whining and complaining, and, you know, I've been in places where I feel like I lack what I need, but the thing is, I always feel God say, but I'm what you need. God is what they needed. They had everything they need. They even had more because God still provided the food and the water. And then Israel gets the manna, which is like this heavenly bread. And they're just kind of like, hmm, this is good. It's just like um, honeycomb. Where's my meat? Hey, God, uh, I, need, I want some meat. And God's like, okay, I'll give you guys some quail. But still, Israel cursed the manna. And that's the equivalent of cursing God. Because it's like, oh, you gave that to us? We don't care. That's like me helping someone with their homework. They're like, oh, you didn't do anything. Can you, you, can feel, you can see how God might feel about that, right? So because of what they did, serpents came and they started biting them on the heels. And they were all over the place. And, you know, a lot of them were dying, right? But God, because he is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, gave them a way to be healed. In fact, he told Moses, he's like, hey, I need you to do exactly what I tell you. And Moses is like, okay, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, build this bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And Moses is like, this makes no sense, but okay. Builds the bronze serpent, puts it on a pole, and whoever looks upon it and has faith in God is healed. And Moses even goes to kind of imply that whoever stays sick is chosen to stay sick. That's by their choice. That was their choice that they're sick because they don't want God. And the thing is, is God doesn't want people that don't want him. But when you don't want God, he'll almost say, thy will be done to you. But God kept leading him through the wilderness. In fact, it took him 40 years. <laughs> Dang. And, you know, in the midst of uncertainty and division, God still commanded them to do all these things. And Moses was like, guys, snap out of it. This is the whole point. You're not supposed to know where we're going. We, you know the destination. We know where we're going. We're going home. But going through life right now, you just feel like this windy road, right? In fact, I went on a hike with two of my buddies. Uh, one of them was the drummer, great drummer. And the other one, I don't even know if he's here right now. But um, what happened was, is we're going up this, uh, this mountain of just like this windy roads. And we're like, okay, once we get over the mountain, we have reached the destination. We're good. We get over the mountain. And there's just like four more miles of just going downhill. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't care about the downhill, but what about going up? You know, so we're going like halfway down, probably two snake encounters later and like some complaining. And my buddy's like, you know what I feel like right now? I'm like, what? He just turns to me. He's like, in and out. So we went, we, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say we went to in and out. <laughs> it was the best in and out I've had in a long time. But the point was, is that Israel didn't have that option. In fact, they kept telling Moses, hey, I want to go back to Egypt. Like, bruh, <laughs> you just had 400 years of slavery and you were praying and begging to God to get out of there. And you're now struggling, in a sense, a little bit in the wilderness. Because the wilderness itself was, you know, today it's like there's cities close by. But back then the world population was just kind of spread out. So the nearest city was probably 200 miles away. You know, and if not, they're just tiny towns. But Moses is like, guys, come on, <laughs> dude. Anyway, later, um, when Israel's setting up camp, they set it up by tribes, right? They have all these tribes, Levi, Judah. Um, is there a tribe of Benjamin? Yes, there is a tribe of Benjamin. Just all these tribes, right? And in the middle, there is a place called the tabernacle. 
And it's the original temple. It's where God dwelt. But what I love about this is that God humbled himself down to have a tent among the Israelites, which means God was going to do it with them. He's also going through the wilderness with you. He's not outside just sitting on his throne, not feeling what you're feeling. He is with you in it and through it because he loves you enough to go in it with you and through it. So it's kind of like, hey, you guys are camping. Hey, can I join? Can I set up my own tent? Now there's a whole chapter devoted to how that tent's built. That was a painful reading. I'm like, whoa, how did you guys get that? (laughs) Anyway, long story short, as the Israelites are sleeping, there's just this pillar of fire that gleams in the night. And I can only imagine being like someone that's not an Israelite and just walking. I'm just like herding my sheep. And I just see this massive fire. Tornado. I'm like, I want nothing to do with that. That's scary, right? And then there's the Israelites that feel protected because God is not slumbering. You know, even when we feel like there's nothing going on, And when we slumber or when we rest or we feel like we're in this Mesa season where we're neither going up nor are we going down, God's not slumbering. He is continually working. By day, he was a pillar of cloud and that did not depart from them. And by night, he was a pillar of fire because he's the light of the world. To go to the next verse, it says in Exodus 40, 36, For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and the fire was in it by night in the sight of all the houses of Israel throughout their journey. Basically, the ending part said, oh, not not once did that pillar of cloud disappear. Not once did that pillar of fire disappear. Here's the truth. Even when you're in the middle of just questioning, God, are you doing something in my life? Because right now it feels like there is nothing going on. And right now it feels like I'm actually going downhill, not up. What is the purpose of this? God is still going before you personally. He is still going into the the wilderness with you. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible sums it up. Jesus wept. Jesus knew Lazarus was going to be raised. But in the middle of the sorrow of his sisters, he was just like, I'm with you. And I'm crying too. Hence, with us, he knows that outside, once we exit the wilderness, we're going to be praising him. We're going to be jumping with joy. But while we're in the wilderness right now, he's like, I'm with you in it. I am not leaving you. I am not forsaking you, for I am your God. So to jump a few thousand years, we go to David, who um, has an interesting life. Um, In fact, one of the one of the uh, one of the mottos they had for King Saul and King David was Saul slayed thousands and David slayed tens of thousands. I'm like, whoa, dang, (laughs) okay. But he was an interesting person because he is actually called a man that was after God's own heart. I actually used to think as a little kid, I'm like, does that mean he had God's heart? No, he was pursuing God with all his heart. He was pursuing God's heart. And we actually get a revelation of what God's heart is through David in the Psalms. And to go to Psalm 121.4, he just simply states, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. A lot of David's Psalms actually starts out with sorrow. Because yes, David was human. He sinned right? That didn't make him, that didn't give, take away his title, a man after God's own heart, because we all here can agree that when we fall short, we crave God. And God craves us all the more. And when we walk away from him, he's just following us. He's like, you're going to come back or what? You know, like, come on. (laughs) But this is demonstrated throughout the whole Bible. I used to think this was just a book of instructions. Literally. It took away my enjoyment of reading it. And I always used to see these Instagram posts saying, oh, if you don't feel like reading your Bible, 
just keep reading it, which is true. I'm not degrading that because there will come moments where we need to read it even if we don't feel like it. But once you actually know what it is, it gets better. It's a love letter. It's just this love letter of just, because society had created this, this, this illusion where there's just these different gods. And if you don't do it right, you're going to die. And that this God's going to take your life. That was idolatry. And then there's this God that just shows up, right? In fact, when God saved, when God called Abraham, the whole world was pagan. And God was just to just be like, uh, yeah, I'm getting out of here. They have forgotten about me. But God comes to Abraham's like, yo, go to this land. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous stars. And through you, I will bless all nations. What does he do? Well, we jump to Isaiah, who was actually a prophet in Israel at the time. Um, actually, the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms. It was the kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. He was stationed in Jerusalem, which is the holiest city in the world at the time, right? Now, his ministry was set for the Jews, but he was very good at saying, guys, you are screwing up. Like, you guys are, man, you've just, you, God has brought you to this mountaintop, and you guys are like, well, because I'm on this mountaintop, I don't necessarily need God anymore, so I'm going to turn to idols, I'm going to turn to doing all the things God doesn't want me to do, because it's going well for us. So Isaiah points them out on this. And you know what? I read this book in like one of the darkest times of my life. I'm like, dang, this feels more like condemnation. And then God just kind of keep reading it. Just keep reading it. Watch what happens. And he just starts talking about like, despite you deserving that, deserving death, deserving separation from God because you fell short, you won't. Because God's not that way. In fact, he's going to send what's most precious to him in all of creation to be the sacrifice that will, what's the word? (laughs) That will take, I lost it there. But anyway, this man will go before you. He will live the life that you couldn't live and he will die the death that you are not able to die yourself because we can't do it. That's the point. That's the point of the law and the prophets is that, hey, there's this perfect law that was given to humanity. Couldn't do it. That's why Jesus himself fulfilled it. Because it was to show us that we need God. We need God just as much as everyone else, those who fall short. And then there's those who think they're so righteous that they're like, oh, I already have God, so I'm going to kind of scoot away from the sinner. And Jesus was like, nah, I have God, but I'm going to come towards the sinner. He's sick. They're sick. They need a doctor. It makes no sense if I were to just hang out with you guys. But Isaiah 41.10 states, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Taking the note, this is right after he's talking about all the bad things Israel's doing. And God's just kind of like, but I'm going to do this. Because you may think I'm going to do the judgment stuff, but the judgment's not coming out on you. It's going to go out on him. So Jesus is born. He lives the life. Four gospels, beautiful stories, changed my life. Towards Jesus's last days, he's, you know, preparing himself for the fact that that judgment that's mentioned in Isaiah is going out before him. Isaiah is actually the one who talks about Jesus the most out of all prophets where he's born, what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and who he's going to take home with him. But Jesus prays 
is arrested after Peter cuts off a guy's ear. He's like, whoa, Peter, take, put down your sword, man. This is, this is the cup. I have to take the cup of suffering which the Father has given me. And then Jesus is brought to an illegal trial. And Caiaphas, who was the head priest at the time, by the way, this head priest was corrupt, you can tell. <laughs> but Caiaphas is like, are you the son of God? Just say it. We don't need witnesses. Who cares about the witnesses? Are you the son of God? Jesus says to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. This is what God revealed to me. Despite the fact that at that point in time, the world had almost forgotten about God, man fell in love with God, not because God came to condemn the world. He came to save it through him. To be lifted up just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's right hand isn't just his hand, it's a person. And he's coming in the clouds of heaven, seated at his right hand of power. God fulfilled his promise. Because when the world fell short, he upheld us through Jesus Christ. Has that changed? Heck no. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as he promised that back, then he will continue to guide you through those wilderness points. Those people who get that diagnosis, the people who, who struggle with anxiety, the people who just don't know what's going on, he will say, I'm here to uphold you. And I am not leaving you, no matter how much pain and sorrow you're going through. I am in it with you, for you. You are an overcomer in me. It was by nothing we did. It was what Christ did in us and for us. But Christ does have an award for doing what he did. He gets to see every one of our faces in heaven. That was worth it to him all the way up to Calvary. I can only imagine what he was thinking up there. Anyway. And he will continue to sit at God's right hand. But in the meantime, we're called to do just as such as he's commanded us. To minister unto nations and to preach the gospel. And for those of you who are in this room that don't know him, he has open arms. He's ready to accept you into his kingdom. It's as simple as just saying, hey, Lord, you're my God. You're my savior. You're my king. And I love you, so I will follow your commandments. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That was to a Pharisee. One of the greatest verses in the Bible is to a Pharisee. And that Pharisee is only mentioned one more time with uh, one of his friends. His name is Joseph Arithmathia, and he's trying to stop the trial because you know he was changed by those words. He's trying to stop the trial. He's like, this is illegal. This is not right. And then, bam, he's kicked out forever. We're only seeing one more time where they're burying Jesus, him and his friend Joseph, and he just gives up his tomb. He's like, I'm just giving up something valuable to me for Christ. And that tomb will go down in history as the one that stayed open. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the word, Lord. Lord, anything that I've said, anything that I've, I've put into your gospel, Lord, j Lord, just let it be like chaff in the wind, never to be seen again, Lord. But Lord, your word, let it stay in their hearts. Let it touch people. For whoever's in here that has heavy hearts, God, Lord, I just ask that you lift in, you uphold them, Lord. In your name, I just ask that you bless all these people and you help them have a good Sunday, a good week, and a good summer. And I just ask that in the midst of uncertainty and division, Lord, please reveal yourself to them. In your precious name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, 
Don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless. Thank you.